Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. We are live here at JA World Heisinger Center uh, at the Lillian S. Wells Pavilion, and we are here in the kitchen, the JA World Heisinger Kitchen. Uh, and today's guest for Recipe for Success is someone that I've known for the last several years in the community, uh, and an amazing, amazing leader uh, and community advocate. Uh, the, as you know by watching, I'm sure you've watched every episode. Uh, I'm sure that you know by now that this show is about featuring leaders and entrepreneurs uh, and hearing the ingredients to their success, right? What is it that made them successful and their company successful? Um, and that is the basis of what we teach young children here at JA. And so it is, was the perfect opportunity to tie that all together. Um, this week's guest is the president, founder, and chief executive officer of Castle Group. They are the premier choice for community management. Uh, James Donnelly is also a CPA. He is an angel investor, a serial entrepreneur, a philanthropist. I could not list all of the things that he's involved in because it would take me much longer than 30 <laughs> minutes to do that. Welcome. Thank welcome. you, Laurie. Welcome. Thank you. I, 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 I think it's so, <laughs> so appropriate that I'm in a, in a kitchen. My wife, Kathy, will go. You never go in the kitchen, but um, I'm happy well, to add to the recipe. I can absolutely relate to that. I try to stay out of it as much as possible at home. Um, one of the, thank you so much for being here. Um, and you and I have had the chance to work together on, on um, committees and organizations. Yeah. Sure. Um, typically always focused on issues that affect children and families yeah. in, in our community. Um, and you've done some, some great work, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But before we do, I was wondering if you could give us, just so for the audience, mm -hmm. um, just a few of the highlights along the way of how you got where you are today. Well, you know, it's funny you ask it. I ask myself that question because I'd love to share what I did. What were the critical inflection points in my career that made me um, have the great life that I do? you know, so that someone else can, can, can do that. But uh, I think, um, first of all, we grew up very humbly and uh, never had anything new. And, you know, someone was always, we were always on the wrong side of the track. So uh, I, from a very young age, had an incredible desire. Uh, so I think that one of the critical points of my mm -hmm. success I was... was I think that's an ingredient. Yeah, it's coming, coming from want. Uh, I was also blessed with an incredible loving family. And so, um, as much as I may have wanted lots, one thing I didn't lack for is love and support. Uh, the second thing was, I, I remember going down the street to the guy with the nicest car and asking Mr. Miller what he did, and he said, I'm a CPA, and I made a decision at a very young age, I'm going to be a CPA. So that was certainly a, a big step for me. And then I was a CPA at Arthur Anderson, and I didn't like it. And most people maybe would have stayed in that career. And I, you know, 15 months in, I said, I'm not doing this. So that was a huge risk-taking. You know, both my parents and Kathy's parents were not happy with me quitting my job as a CPA. And so I got into the uh, investment sales business, and that ultimately led to the real estate investment sales business, 
which ultimately led to buying Florida real estate and selling it to Canadians. So huge change in our life wow. was yeah. the moment I bought a property in Florida, it changed the trajectory of our family's life. And then eventually um, the sales stopped. We had, we had started managing the property and I was commuting five days a week and Kathy finally said, you know, we have three young boys, we need to be here or here. And so we decided in 1996 to come to America and, um, you know, we're, we're immigrants. And uh, so that was a huge uh, inflection point. And then I think finally, you know, obviously the company's been very successful, uh, but Kathy became so passionate about children, family, and giving back into the community that um, she really led me down that path. And I've been able to kind of leverage my leadership positions to, to support what she does. And we, you know, we call it Castle Cares, which is our right. philanthropic arm. But I think that's a huge change in our life is that not much more we need, but we can basically spend the rest of our life um, helping others get what they need. And giving back. Mm -hmm. You mentioned so many things in, in that short description, right, of the journey, and I know sure. that there's a lot of, of deeper things in there. Um, and, and a lot of times when things might have been great, and then other times, right, when, when they were a struggle. But the first thing you talk about, so, so I can almost relate to the CPA part. I did never sat for my CPA exam because I wasn't even sure I really wanted to be an accountant after yeah. I got my degree. Then I went to work in general accounting and said, oh, this is not for me. Could you imagine? You can't talk when you're doing general accounting. How would I ever work You would struggle that? with that, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I did. Um, so I can relate to that, but I also can remember how scary it was to come to that realization and actually be willing to make the change. And I didn't make it on my own. I made it because someone kind of saw me in a different place and, and kind of led and mentored me. You saw it on your own, it sounds like, and took that risk. I definitely did, and I've always been a measured risk taker. Um, they're all measured, but I, I think the other advantage I had, you know, Kathy and I have been together since we were 15 years old, and you, you, when you're in a partnership, you all can always have one partner saying, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, and there's, and I, and I almost can't think of any time where she didn't say, let's do it. And so, it'd be another yeah. thing if she goes, you know, we're not moving to the United States, that's a problem. So, uh, I think her um, forever support of those decisions allowed me to make the decisions, and by the way, they weren't all successful, right? We had, the line wasn't straight up, it was like this, and things are great now, but uh, there were moments along that journey that kind of second-guess some of your decisions, which is, I think, true of anyone that's an entrepreneur. Yeah. You and Kathy have been married how long? Uh, 33 years. Yeah. So, I have to imagine that you would think that one of the ingredients to your success has been finding the right partner to support you uh, through the journey. Yeah, I remember reading a, a joke once, and it was some, something about, you know, the making of a king, and um, you know, this particular woman in, in, in the joke had actually married two kings, and she goes, it, it's not the king. <laughs> so uh, I think um, you could make a very good argument in uh, my marriage that um, uh, it's not the king. So, uh, although I did call my company the Castle Group, and I am the head of it, so I, I guess <laughs> so I'm self-appointed. You, self, I'm self -appointed, you really yeah. are the king. Uh, so finding the right partner, partner. right, to, to support you, and, yeah. and who has this the same dreams. You might have differences of opinions, I'm sure that's what makes it exciting, but you both have to have the same goals and dreams in mind, right? Well, well and just to expand briefly on that, because I know we want to talk about other things, but on the relationship piece, Kathy and I go through a very deliberate, like scientific, it's a 10-step program, 
for ca calibrating our relationship between Christmas and New Year's every year. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, I want to hear more about that offline. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Is we, this a piece of paper you fill out? Yeah, no, I, I actually, I've had several people <laughs> ask me for the steps. So, um, yes. Anyways, I think that it's easy for relationships to kind of start getting wedges and go like this, and, and that's normal, and sometimes that's the right thing, but we're very deliberate. You know, if, if my highest value is adventure and hers is security or, or, or vice versa, you better figure out how that works. Exactly. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. Right and, partner. And by the way, that's not just for partners right at home. That could be for business, business partners. partners. Every year you should be doing that, I would think. So, 100%. so recalibrating relationships. Yeah. It's, right? a, you know, it's a planning cycle and, you know, one of my keys to success, and I, I might as well jump into that one, is I call it the success cycle. There's, the first thing you have to decide is what you want. Then you have to come up with a plan, and then you implement the plan, and it's always wrong, right? It's never perfect. And often people give up at that point, whereas all you had to do was make an adjustment and re-implement and never stop, and you will ultimately get to where you want to. It's, it's, it's I scientific. I love that. So say that again. What you want, so you, you, come you, up with a plan. Yeah, and come up with a plan to get there, implement it. And by the way, sometimes it's successful. Well, most time it's not. And then you make adjustments and re-implement the plan. And, uh, and by the way, it still won't be perfect. Right. So at Castle, we, every fall, I get the whole executive team together. We, we, we do a, you know, a look back and say, how did we do? What went right? What went wrong? Where do we want to go? And there's a very, like it's a four day planning uh, process. And then we have a half year check-in to make sure we're on course. So we don't wait a whole year and find, you know what, that, that didn't make sense. But every year, it's slightly different, which means we're making those adjustments and, right. and moving forward. So, and that's true in life, and it's true in business. Exactly, and I, I think the key is, right, when you want it to be successful, and what I mean by successful is not necessarily that the idea worked, right, or the plan worked, but when you want the relationship or the company to be successful, the part that I think I heard you kind of pull out a little bit was the adjustment part, it's the adjustment. right? A lot of people can come up with a plan, um, and they could execute it, Exactly to plan, but if something goes wrong, right, they, they're not sure how to adjust. It's and true. that flexibility is so important. Every year I take a CEO course at Harvard Business School, which is I'm leaving Saturday. So it's a case study uh, uh, school, of course. So we have to do, we're all, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old CEOs, and we're all doing homework, and we live in a dorm, and we have these study groups, and we do 15 cases. Well, they don't give you the case of the perfect company with nothing wrong, they give you the case of something went wrong and what they did. And then they ask you, the purpose of the learning exercise is, okay, if you were them, what would you do? And, and so that's all about learning from mistakes, other people's mistakes, and making these adjustments. So yeah. it sounds easy, it's not. No, I, I agree. Um, but having a team, so that was the other thing I heard you say. I didn't hear you say that you go into a room to do all that. No, you we, uh, first of all, I've been blessed. My younger brother, Rob, is our COO, and my childhood friend, who went to kindergarten, Craig, uh, is our president. So the three of us have been together all our lives. And um, as much as I've been the leader and, and perhaps even the, the strategist, visionary, someone had to do the work. And they are the, one, the ones that kind of give me a lot of the feedback to, so we can collectively make these adjustments. And now that we almost have 2,000 employees, our leadership team has kind of expanded to beyond the three of us. But um, we, I mean, and we, we are now to the point where we're trying to hire people really, really way smarter than we are in whatever their vertical is and, and listen, because they know what they do, HR, IT, whatever it is, better than we do. Yeah, yeah, so true. Let them bring their skills, right, and talents to the table. 
And before we go to that, though, uh, something you just mentioned, um, and this is something that I knew I wanted to bring up with you, um, and you talked about the Harvard uh, CEO course that you yeah. were taking. Um, and when you and I have had the chance to meet uh, on other occasions, I know that you are an avid reader. Yeah. Um, and like me, I don't really read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of leadership types of things. Um, I think I read five or six leadership books during the Christmas and New Year's holiday. Uh, and that's relaxing for me, right? I know it sounds crazy, but I think you have a similar passion for yearning and learning, yearning and for learning. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I've thought a lot about why uh, I and we have been so successful in life versus someone coming from the same circumstances that have not. And you know, obviously success leaves clues. So one of them is to be a lifelong learner. And I think I was blessed, right? You, some things we're blessed with genetically and some we learn. And uh, I think I was blessed with curiosity. I'm literally, if I go to, uh, Kathy and I watch a movie, and, you know, the next thing I do is pull, pull out my iPad and look at, okay, what was true? Which actor, what did they do? I mean, I'm always analyzing that. But to your point, um, you just have to be constantly, constantly learning. I obviously use Harvard as a, as a kind of professional executive learning. I use books constantly. Uh, funny development now, I've been learning to fly, and it's so intense, the learning, that I've actually stopped for the last eight months reading much other than how to fly. And I've even noticed it, like even prepping for Harvard, I'm like, I don't have time, I need to learn how to, to fly. So, <laughs> I need to read uh, my flying books, yeah. not my leadership books. <laughs> but talk about exciting to learn something that difficult at my stage in life. So uh, I, I would say that to anybody, I don't care whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80, when you, when you stop exercising that brain, it'll atrophy like a muscle, right? If you stop yeah. using the muscle, it atrophies your brain's the same way. Absolutely. I know a lot of people in you know, their 70s and 80s that just aren't engaging their mind, and it's, it's, it shows. And, yeah, it's um, really, it's obvious to see how they, yeah. their activity level, their, their quickness, their sharpness, right, how it declines. Um, Wayne, Wayne Huizinga used uh, quality time remaining QTR. That was his, you know, uh, acronym and I said well what do you mean by QTR he goes look at I don't know how I'm gonna live but I'm gonna have you know I'm gonna be engaged I'm gonna have quality time I'm gonna be healthy yeah. and um, that's what you want it's not the number it's how how full that is exactly I agree um, so I do and then I love the curiosity thing I think that's what uh, it's definitely one of the ingredients that we've heard other people talk yeah. about before uh, in leadership is always being curious, right? About how, how can we do it better? How, can, how did that work, right? And taking things apart a little bit. Um, uh, on that point though, I said I was naturally curious and I am, but you know, we're all born with genetic wiring, right? Like our, our brain just from our parents and our, our lineage has certain tendencies. And then you are born and you start learning. Well, you don't control a lot of that learning. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose what country. You don't choose what school you go to. You often don't choose your friend because they're just down the street. So, and that, these are all the things that are influencing. So by the time you're 16 years old, your, your brain is pretty hardwired with not a lot of self-input. And it used to be you'd think, okay, that's it. And so you either had curiosity or you didn't have curiosity. They've done a lot of study in the last 30 years about the malleability of the brain. Like, you know, they, they talk about you know, war veterans that lose a a limb or uh, something and they'll think it's still there because the brain hasn't rewired, but ultimately it does rewire. Right. Well, they now have fairly solid science. So you can actually uh, train your brain to do certain things. And so 
I think it used to be, you know what, it is what it is between my genetics, genetics and, and the environment that I didn't control, I am who I am. And I think another way to look at it now is, well, it's not like you can go 180 degrees, but could you not maybe each year move towards whatever behavior or, or qualities you want? So I am now a believer that um, there's no excuse. You, you may have been brought up, you may have had certain genetics, but you have the choice to um, relearn and rewire your brain, and it's hard. Yeah, but I, I do agree with you, and, and I'm not sure I would have agreed or disagreed a few years ago, but the more and more that I'm reading so many of these books, I see myself changing, yeah. right? Because I'm conscious of it, and yeah. I've made a conscious choice to change certain things, right? And, and can't pick a lot of things at one time because you know, I don't know if the brain can handle all that, but, or the people around us may not be able to handle all that. But if you could pick those one or two things, right, and work on them, I do think that you can change behaviors. So, if you yeah, want to. I, I, I truly believe that. And you know, New Year's is always the, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And my coaching is, I, I love the idea of New Year's and the new beginning and this is what you're going to do. But um, I think that don't say you're going to do eight things or six things. For six, pick your most important one for the first 60 days, focus on that. Then pick number two once you've kind of institutionalized, habitualized, whatever it is you are after. Right. Um, exercise, you know, is a good one. I'm, I'm a huge believer that one of the problems we have, even if you get all the other pieces right, if you don't have the energy to get up in the morning and do whatever it is that you want to do, even if you've got the methodology, the plan, uh, the skill set, if you don't have the energy, it doesn't get done. So you, know, you can tell from Kathy and my lifestyle, we're very high, highly focused on eating well, sleeping well. Uh, and, so um, taking care of yourself, right? Whether it's from an exercise, nutrition, Mentally, spiritually, we didn't, we didn't mention that one, but I'm assuming that's what you mean, holistically. We call it meds, right? So yeah. med is your, your, your mind or calming your mind. Use for exercise, use for diet, and sleep is, uh, S is for sleep, and sometimes they go meds right. for spiritual. So yeah. that's kind of the, if you get those right, you have an incredible amount of energy when you get up in the morning. Yeah. I agree, so. I, I totally agree. So you mentioned earlier that you went from just a handful of employees to, what did you say, a thousand? Uh, just under 2,000 right now, yeah. Um, that's a lot of people. I know, teammates. Yes, teammates. Um, and so there's two parts to that that I really want to touch on because no matter where I am today, James, in, in any room with C-level people, um, for instance, I was in a, a Vistage meeting and they asked, what was the worst decision? We had to go around the table. What was the worst decision and best decision you made this past year? Right. There were 19 CEOs at that table. 18 of them were either I hired, I made a bad hiring decision mm -hmm. or I didn't um, terminate someone from the team quickly enough. Right. Every 18 out of 19 were people-related decisions. Well, and so with 2,000 people, yeah, how does that trickle down, right? How do you create that culture, that value of bringing the best people on board and then retaining them? That's a great question, especially right now. It's uh, unemployment rate is about 2.6 percent. Mm -hmm. We call it a war for talent. And so why would someone want to work at my firm over another firm? And I think it starts with culture. So we're very deliberate 
we have a castle constitution. It's online. It's not, it's not secret. And when we interview, we interview for the values that are in that constitution. Uh, if you come to our firm, you go through orientation, and you know it's basically the first half day is all about who we are. Um, you come into our firm, and literally there's a time wall. It's called the Road to Royal Service. Royal Service is our brand for customer service. And uh, when we hire, we hire for people that have service in their heart, right? Like it's not everybody that, there's people that love to engage other people, and there's people that don't, and there's no right or wrong. But if we're in a customer facing business, I have to hire people with service in their heart. And that's really not hard to find. You know, you have it. Um, so, and then the harder part of that, first of all, the pool right now is, is small because everyone's working, which is a great thing. Right. Um, obviously, if hard for us employers, hard for us employers, but it's, it's, it's good for every you know everyone that's working. Um, it's, but I think it's even more who do you not let stay in the company that defines culture? Because I could tell you right now, if you leave, you know, the metaphorical bad apple in your firm, everyone sees it, right? They they're going, well, if this is their culture and they allowed John to stay in the firm, they're not walking their talk. So here we are. You have to make that decision, and yet it's hard enough to get people. It's, that's, it, today, in today's world, the, the harder thing is not the hiring, it's the it's who are you going to allow to stay in the firm. And who you keep. I, I was just reading about Net, <clears throat> Netflix's culture. Have you read that? It was one of the cases <coughs> I've just read for Harvard. Okay, so I thought it was amazing. Amazing. And it is exactly my focus this year because, uh, and, and when they talk about, of course, we couldn't afford to do that as a nonprofit, but they give four months severance severance pay mm -hmm. to someone who is not performing or yeah. not the right member of their team. Now that's a great luxury to have as a big company. We couldn't afford to do that, but the point is that when you continue to retain people that really aren't getting the organization, right, to being that high performance functioning team, in every way, shape, or form, I don't just mean about results, but even as, as a community, yeah. as a team. Well, I, the Netflix uh, Reed Hastings is um, is an amazing guy, obviously, but uh, they it's all about empowerment. It's all about decision making, being pushed down to people that can do it. And and, and the question is, can that scale? And everyone's been saying, there's no way this can scale. Of course, now they're a 15 billion dollar company. In fact, the, the question in this case is like, how has he been able to maintain this culture of empowerment, and can he continue to do it? Because they're all over the world now. Right. Like he's taken that empowerment culture into you know, Asia and Africa. And, uh, Where in some of those places, that just is not their culture, I know. right? So uh, remarkable. I, uh, it's a great read. Yeah, I would love to hear more about the case study when, I come when, back, when I'll, you get I'll back. I'll let you know what the answers I are. I definitely yeah. do want to know the answers on that. Um, so I, I'm going to say that culture, right, and empowerment and, or, or culture. Yeah, deliberate culture, yeah, right? Deliberate. I love that. Um, we just renovated our our, our, we have yeah, they're beautiful. 22,000 square foot yeah. uh, home office and plantation, and it's, it's 15 years old. And of course, the people I'm hiring are 15 years younger than the ones I hired 15 years ago. And um, so we had to create uh, an environment that they like. So we have, you know, all the, the lounges and the massage chair and the uh, phone booths. It's, and cool it's a pretty cool place. <laughs> well, and I, the one thing I have to tell you, I noticed because I came back and said, okay. I want scanners on every desk. I want no more paper. We have no paper. And um, I then took everything off my desk and put it in a box. Yeah. I've yet to go through the box. Um, that was it. only a couple of weeks. 
But if I haven't gone through any of that in the last couple of weeks, I probably don't need yeah, it. You didn't need it. It looked and good though on that. Like it looked, you it looked, looked very like busy. Yeah. Ahead, but it was very organized uh, past stacks. But you've been um, in my office, no paper. I have. Yeah. No, nobody in your office has paper on their desk. I know. The scanner's right there. You but that's culture. Bringing it back to your point is, uh, you walk into our office and you feel the culture. And same with you. We talk yeah. about teammates and whether they stay or they don't. If we make a mistake and hire the wrong person, they they know. Right? Doesn't they, like we know, but they know. They're going like this is not where I should be. So, mm, yeah. Um, talking about that empowerment, I mean, I have to assume with with almost two thousand team members, team associates, um, that you have to empower them because you can't be there. I know. Right? Um, to make those decisions. So you talked about the plan um, and getting the the uh, senior team together to come up with the plan, but the execution part when you have that many people is is the challenging part, I think, sometimes. Yeah, so we, our philosophy is hire the best people, have great systems, and then tie them together with technology, people, systems, technology. And so uh, the people part, we've kind of already talked about. Mm -hmm. The systems part, there is a best way of doing everything in every business. By the way, that's a metaphorical loose leaf binder, right? You, mm -hmm. our, usually it's our teammates, our, our customers say there's a better way, oh yeah. But t today you need te technology to tie those things together. So as an example, we just launched an app called Drawbridge, where the castle group. And so it's so our residents can kind of do everything they want on their phone, which is nice. used to be. So we had the people, we had the system, but we weren't able to put it in the hand of, of a resident until we created this technology. So that's super important. And then I, I think to your point, how do you get uh, trust down through the organization and what what we've decided is um, you know high curbs and, and wide boulevards so set fairly strong limits on uh, on each side but inside of that go for it and don't micromanage that so wi wide boulevards and high curbs oh, I like that yeah. I'm gonna write that one down wide boulevards and curbs. you're on a, running out of room Laurie I know. I knew that you were going to have too many ingredients for my board yeah. here, uh, for sure. Um, the one thing that I don't want to not uh, be able to, to talk a little bit about is the philanthropy side and the giving back side and, and some of the things that you've been involved in in the community, um, which have been tremendous. I mean, you, um, you took this community by storm, uh, and I think what you've accomplished, right, and Kathy, like I said, like you said, is, is a driving force in the company I do whatever all she of says. that. Yeah. I know. So I she throws you up there on the this, stage, yeah. right? Um, but she's behind the scenes, you know, pulling the strings, right? Um, so could you talk a little bit about uh, maybe a couple of the things that you're currently involved in and why they're important, you think they're important to you or the company or the family? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, from a corporate point of view, I, I think that a company engaging their community is good in so many ways. What do their team think of it? They love it. What is, um, how, what do customers think? I've literally had, I, w I worked on the homeless a couple of years ago, and I literally had customers calling me and go, you know, thank you. you know, thank you for stepping up. And, it, and James not only did it, but they know I'm involved with the cast group. So I think it's good for everybody, including companies, to be good uh, corporate citizens. Uh, what happened with Kathy and I is we, you know, I was a member of the Young Presidents organization and, and organizations outside of, our, our industry organizations outside of Florida, outside of Broward. 
And we were flying all over the world and, you know, supporting these organizations. And at one point, I remember distinctly, Kathy and I talked about this, we were in Tokyo, Peninsula Hotel in Tokyo, and I said, you know what? We're not having impact because we're too dispersed. What could we do for the rest of our life to have impact? And what we decided was narrow the focus. And so at that day, and you say, you know, we kind of took Broward by storm. It wasn't so much that as, you know, we've always been in Broward for 25 years, but we decided to take every resource we had, human and, and, and you know, uh, treasury and, and, and talent and put it in Broward County. So that, you know, my only message there is if you want to affect change, at least narrow it, you know, like a, a Wayne Huizinga could have impact or, or a Bill Gates. Well, the Donnellys need to narrow it to where they can have impact. I think that's a big thing. But more recently, uh, I have become chairman of the Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we have a Be Bold campaign where we're uh, raising $500 million. And what makes the Community Foundation unique, and it supports most of the other nonprofits in, mm -hmm. in, in our county, is they're asking for endowed funds. So if we, ask, if we have someone put a million dollars in the Community Foundation, approximately 5% of that for the rest of time, or $50,000, will go into Broward County forever. And so I, you know, that is unique about the Community Foundation. And the other thing is, uh, you probably know Linda Carter has retired, so mm -hmm. my job uh, with a committee is to find the next CEO, and that decision will impact this county because of the Impact Community Foundation. So um, I set up my, my meeting yesterday. We have two things we got to do: is you know, raise five hundred million dollars and get a new CEO. Other than that, we're good. It's a very simple step. <laughs> no adjustments necessary. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I did hear about that. And we are fortunate to be a recipient of community foundation funding um, mm -hmm. through some of the private uh, donor advised yeah. funds. Um, so they do amazing work. I work very closely with Cherry Brown and her team there. Um, but also, uh, Broward Workshop, uh, was it a year ago or two years ago, you chaired the Broward Workshop as well. And I did. there were some very specific, you know, we, I think. You and I worked on the education committee together, or the workforce. That's I forget right. what it was called. Workforce readiness. Yeah, and so I know you were very involved with the workforce, and I know from a company you have an internship program. So talk about workforce development and all of that. Yeah, so you know the Broward Workshop is Broward business people for a better Broward, and it's an amazing organization. I had the privilege of chairing that for two years, and during that time, you and I worked together on workforce readiness. And really, that's, uh, does the education system, you know, from K to post-grad, prepare our young people for the jobs that are available? And the answer is more now than before, but, you know, at, at the time, no. And, and including universities. You used to go to university and say, as an employer, and say, look, we'd like you to do this. And they're like, go to the website, look at the curriculum. That's what we do. Right. That's changed. I, I, I have to hand it to NSU. We need property managers. So I went to property man uh, NSU and business, a business school mm -hmm. and said, will you start a property management course? And what does that mean? That means them getting a curriculum to train a young person to be ready to work in our industry. And by the way, they said yes, and it's one of the only ones in, yeah. in Florida. Yeah, one of our alumni was in that That's right. And Zadie uh, was Zadie. Me. I met her here. <laughs> Yep. And, and, you know, she yeah. is a superstar, amazing woman. She is an Call her a woman now. She was yeah. a kid when I met her. Exactly, but, yeah. yeah. I think she was 15 or 16 when I met her uh, here. So, um, but yeah, so I think, you know, and, and of course for me, that's such an amazing uh, mission. That's what we do here with 56, this year we'll probably hit around 56 to 58,000 students. Think about um, impact. Think about yeah. those 50,000. It's what drives me it every day. It makes you smile every it day. It really is. Yeah. You know, I always say that as a parent, 
it was what I wanted for my children. Of course, we want them to be happy and we want them to be kind and all those things. But um, I wanted them to be ready. I wanted them to be productive, responsible adults contributing to our community society. Yeah. And now to say that we get to do that with 56 or 58,000 students. Every time I walk in here, um, I, I was um, walking by and there's two, it looks like middle school classes in there. And they're like, they have a lot of it. Like they'd like to be here. It's not like yeah. they're here going on a field trip. It, there was a lot of energy in that yeah. room. So. Well, what we hear is that actually through the simulations, right, the curriculum is very interactive and then the simulations are interactive. And then the high schoolers, I think you've been a shark, haven't you, uh, mm -hmm. in our uh, entrepreneurial mm -hmm. program. And they will say to us, you know, I like school, but I've learned more by forming this company. And yeah. it's a real company with yeah. money and products and, yeah. and all that. I've learned more about business and real life than I have ever in a classroom, right? right. And we have to make the classroom real. Experiential. Right. That's what they love. Right. Especially these days, you know, one of my keys to success is we don't think anymore, right? You get up in the morning and you, you grab your device and these, even my kids, right? Like, and, and my kids' kids, when they have kids, yeah. like it's becoming more digital, not less. When do you stop, calm your mind and think? Because the world moves forward on thought, not, you know, not just doing whatever's next on, on that comes to mind and yeah. so uh, you know i'm very deliberate in finding think time and i encourage if i ever find a teammate just sitting there doing nothing staring at the wall i, I like i walk right by you figure they're, they're thinking they're thinking and right that's exactly a good, that's a good thing so to wrap this up um no i want to keep going you want to keep going <laughs> well listen we could do a whole nother 30 yeah, minute yeah. Uh, session for sure um and we are actually going to start just so that everybody else knows we are actually working on a plan to, uh, most of the people that have been here, we could have kept going. But in each one of them, there's two or three things that we could pick out and really go yeah. deeper into. Deep and we down. actually plan to do that. Um, and, and the reason that we plan to do that is number one, our listeners love that, right? They want to hear more about something you did and, and hear more of the steps and how you did right. it. But also our students, right? If we can do a five minute uh, piece, right, video on uh, building a culture or holding people accountable or sales or marketing, whatever it is, those kids that are building these companies in the entrepreneurial programs will have real life people to do a little training video for them. So it, it's, and it's something that will be available working with Beacon on this project yeah. to make it available to every school student. So, so it's an exciting project, you know, for me, I get bored easily. So I have to keep coming up with new things for my team to Recipe do. Recipe for success. <laughs> um, but one last question. All right. So I'm Italian, and my favorite thing to eat, or one of my three favorite things to eat, is pasta with tomato sauce, or what we call gravy in Italian, <laughs> Sunday gravy. Uh, and the main ingredient for that gravy is tomato sauce, fresh tomatoes, right. Right? right? If you could name the main ingredient in your recipe, what would that be? Mine would be my curiosity, yeah. We had a icebreaker question, um, though yesterday in our executive meeting, uh, we had to watch a, a video of a, a general who had done a, a commencement speech and he gave 10 successes in life and we had to choose which one and why. And, uh, mine of that list, I do believe curiosity is the answer I want to give you, but never give up, mm. right? People give up. You add that to your recipe. Yeah, I, uh, I think I, I have failed several times, but I can even honestly say, I, at no point in that failure did I ever think I wouldn't succeed. Right. And a lot of people, they fail and, um, and they don't 
they give up and uh, don't give up. Yeah. And that's developing that mindset, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and you know, as a, as a mom, you know, uh, most people know that you know, with Patrick has Down syndrome, my daughter mm -hmm. is 25, and I think if I have done anything over the last few years, especially, I think I did it before, but now she's really ready for it. It's changing that mindset from a, I can't to an I can, and there is no failing, right? I'm gonna do this, right? And yeah. it was always in there. By the way, that's an accomplishment, to go from a fixed mindset is not easy. Yes, Good job. to an infinite mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I agree with you. So I'm gonna read back your recipe oh for success. It's it better pretty be good, full. Yeah. This is gonna be some, quite the dish, I think. Uh, so here are some of James's ingredients to success. Coming from want and writing and and developing that desire, you yeah. want you desired more. I, I did, um, and so that drove you. I'm sure that was part of your drive. Um, measured risk taking, I love that one. Uh, finding the right partner to support you. Kathy's going to sure be very happy. They have goals. Yes, Kathy, mm -hmm. you got a lot of shout outs today. I hope you're watching. Um, recalibrating relationships, and we talked about that from a personal standpoint, but then we also touched on yeah, it from business, a business yeah. perspective as well. Uh, what what you want, determine what you want, come up with the plan, implement the plan, and adjust. That's the success Most cycle. Most importantly, mm -hmm. at the end, was that adjusting part and making sure you're adapting yeah. to the world around us, to the company, uh, and changes in your customers, whatever that might be. Involving the team in, in that coming up with the plan. Being a lifelong learner, which I, I do love that about you, and that stuck with me the last time we, we met. Curiosity, which is your main ingredient. Taking care of yourself. Uh, in every which way, shape, or form, so you have the energy to keep going. Uh, interview for values and bringing people on for values. Cal um, deliberate culture, yeah. and I love that word, deliberate. My, my word for this year is intentional, but that's, yeah, that's, that's a really good one, too. Um, never give up. Uh, there's no such thing as giving up or failure, right? How, how, uh, focusing on people, systems, and technology, and if you do that, and you're adaptable, right, to all those things, then you should uh, experience success. Um, wide boulevards and narrow... Uh, high, high curbs. High curbs. Oh. Wide boulevards, high curbs. High curbs. I had yeah. narrow curbs. Oh, we have to change that one because that's a good one, and I've not heard anybody say that. Um, so, wide boulevards and high curbs, and then the other uh, two that I missed over were stop and think. Yeah. Take the time to think, right? That's huge. Yep and engage the community, both personally as, as and As you corporate. do every day? Take time to think. No, engage, well, you probably do that well, too, but engage, engage the community. The community. Yes, yeah. that's, that's, my, that's my why, right? That's what drives me, is, is having and that impact. And we're grateful for that, so well, thank, thank you, Laura. I appreciate that, but, but I am a business person, right? And I come from there, and I think what I love about this, the nonprofit sector, being a CEO in the nonprofit sector versus the for-profit, is that I get to be a business person. I get to do strategy and take some risks, it's calculated, right? Because it's, it's our donor money and we wanna make sure that we're creating sustainability and being responsible. Um, just like an investor's money, same idea. Well, right, you have expenses, so you have to have more revenue right. to match it, exactly. which is in your case, mostly right. grants and donations, so. Exactly, and so I love that I get to run a business. Yeah. And then, but then at the same time, our product or our service is amazing doesn't get any better than changing students' lives and getting them ready for people like you and businesses like you. So. I think we should do a recipe for success. I'll sit there, you sit here, <laughs> and then we'll do 
We'll reverse Maybe roll. we might have to yeah. try that one day. You never know. Oh, look, he's trying to move in already. He wants to be co-host. Right? I can see what's coming. I see. You know, what's the one on, on the mornings, <laughs> Kelly and Ryan? Right. Yeah. You think we should do something together? I think together? that's where we should go. Well, maybe then it should be brought to you by Castle Cares or Castle Group. You know, <laughs> you know there's a little bit of uh, sponsorship in there. You just never know. Um, a partnership, I should call it. Anyway, thank you so much thank for you, being Laurie. here. Thanks for sharing your secrets and your ingredients. I know they're not secrets. I love to uh, teach and engage others uh, and mentor. Well, thanks for inviting me and thanks for your leadership with uh, Jay and, and especially the children, of course. So. Well, thank you. We're thanks great. for all you do. All right. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, everybody. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. Uh, please make sure to watch. It'll be posted on YouTube and all of the podcast channels uh, coming up in the next day or two. And so take a chance to go back and, and read it. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Let's get cooking. <laughs>